Welcome to The Skinny here on WMNF Tampa. My name is Ray Roa, Editor-in-Chief at Creative Loafing, joined by my esteemed colleague, Ben Montgomery. Jake Hoffman from the Tampa Bay Young Republicans is in studio with us. And joining us remote is our maestro and uh, El Capitan, Mitch Perry. Mitch Perry, are you there on Zoom with us? Uh, Good morning, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah. Mitch, uh, say hello to the listeners. Yeah, well, good morning, everybody. The Skinny here on Friday, August 11th. Good to be with you. I am remote because guess what? I've got this new subvariant of the coronavirus. It's called uh, Aris by Health Watchers, formerly known as EG5. So uh, can't be in the studio today, but I definitely was instrumental in bringing Jake Hoffman to the studio today. So I wanted to be part of this. Jake, thank you so much for joining us here um, in uh, the studio today. Uh, before we get into talking a lot about what's going on with the Republican Party, the young Republicans, tell listeners more about yourself. Uh, you are, in fact, the executive director of the Tampa Bay Young Republicans. Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm from Palm Beach originally. I moved to Tampa Bay when I was 18 to go to USF, and I was at, you know, undergrad at USF for a little while, and then grad school at USF, started a business. I run a digital media company called Invasion Digital Media. Uh, nothing to do with politics. We work with professional athletes. We sell uh, training programs. Most of our guys are in the fitness industry, UFC, NFL, that kind of thing. And then I got myself into politics in all kinds of different ways and took over the young Republicans here in Tampa Bay in like 2018 ish. We had like five, 10 members. It was one of these small little clubs like you see all over the country. And uh, now we're actually the second largest in the entire nation. We've got like 550 paying members now and we've been getting more and more involved as the years go on. And it's not, it's been a short amount of time, right? It's four, four or five years now. And then last year I decided to get even more involved and, and run for state house in South Tampa. Uh, unfortunately lost by 200 votes to uh, the, the woman that's in there now. It's also a Republican. And I've still continued to, to be involved in, in local politics and county politics, state politics. Uh, we know we do a lot of advocacy for different bills that we want to see you know, put forth at the state level. We get ourselves involved in maybe some local issues if we're producing. You know, I, I run a digital media company, so we do videos. We do a lot of effective video advocacy for different issues that you guys are probably concerned about and you guys have talked about on this on this program in the past. So that's kind of my history in a, in a nutshell. And if you guys have any more questions about, you know, what, what Republicans are up to, I'm, I'm like one of the few that actually go and talk to reporters. And Mitch, you know this. And, uh, you know, I, I try and explain to people that they'll, they'll ask me, like, how do you end up doing all this media, right, going on you know, the news stations and writing articles and all those kinds of different things? And I'm like, well, a lot of the Republicans at, in Tallahassee, they've got like this no press you know, policy, right, where they, they won't talk to anybody. And then you have the party leaders that have take this, taken the same stance over the years. And then all of a sudden, like, reporters are digging and digging to digging to talk to somebody who's actually a Republican to give them an answer. And I'm like, well, I'll raise my hand and I'll do it. And I'll be the guy who comes and talks about whatever we yeah. want to talk about. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's absolutely true. And in fact, I know there's been a change of leadership at the Hillsborough County Republican Party over the last year because the former leader, Jim Warshuk, was very anti-press. Um, I got Jim when I was working at Bay News 9, had, you know, whenever we could get him on the air. This is during the, the Trump re-election in 2020. But he, you know, frankly, he, in fact, he kicked us, kicked me out of a, of a Hillsborough County Republican Executive Committee meeting. Sounds right. I don't know if the leadership has changed there now. But uh, so in that respect, yeah, that is one reason you're definitely more visible for the local media here. So let's get into it. Let's talk about, I know you were in fact at uh, Cafe Contampa last week and your presentation I believe was entitled, Not Your Grandfather's Republican Party. And certainly on some key issues, that's the truth. Maybe not even the listener's father who was a Republican. I wanna take our listeners and to you, Jake, to a story written by Nate Cohen in today's New York Times, which was entitled, It's Not Reagan's Party Anymore. 
And it listed three issues that Republicans were polled on in 2005 by the Pew Research Center and compared that to a poll that came out just last week from the New York Times and Siena College. Three different issues it, talked, it referenced. On the issue of opposing same-sex marriage, in 2005, and listeners might remember that was after 2004, but I think there was 14 states that voted against uh, same-sex marriage. Anyway, 2005, 78% of Republicans said they opposed same-sex marriage. Now, uh, just 36% do. On the issue of whether you would rather reduce the debt versus protecting entitlements like Social Security and Medicare, back in 2005, 62 Republicans said they would rather reduce the deficit. Now, only 29%. The majority say they would rather protect uh, Social Security and Medicare. And thirdly, on the question of whether Americans should, America should be more active abroad, 53% of Republicans in 2005 supported that notion. It was only 53%. That was right after the Iraq War, and the aftermath of that was really leaving a bad taste in people's mouths. But when that question was asked last week of uh, Republicans, should America be more active abroad, less than half of that, over 24%, uh, said yes, which leads me, leads me to the question asking you, Jake, about U.S. involvement in helping Ukraine. The Biden administration is now asking for an additional $24 billion from Congress for that. Uh, earlier this year, 70 House Republicans voted against spending any more money there. Where are you and where are a lot of young Republicans on the issue of, the, of supporting Ukraine? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I I will agree with all of the results of the, the polls that you just talked about. With young people, they have now grown up. And, I, and when I say young, I'm talking like 20s. I'm 32, early 30s, that, that kind of age range. They've grown up watching a 20-year war in Afghanistan that went horribly, a pullout of Afghanistan that went horribly, um, you know, trillions of dollars wasted, trillions of dollars unaccounted for in the Pentagon, all of these kinds of different things. And now they're seeing, you know, what appears to be almost the same thing happening in Ukraine in, in, in our minds, right, where, where there's just this blank check where we continuously send money to this region that most people cannot point out on a map. And we don't really understand why we're involved, but we have all of these problems here at first, at home. And when you have a candidate like Donald Trump over, you know, since 2016, who's been preaching America first, that message has really seeped into the Republican Party. So when you say it's not, you know, when we say it's not your grandfather's GOP, when people talk it's not your party of Reagan anymore, it's not in the sense that, and I think foreign involvement's really the biggest piece of that, that, that has really changed, is that people want to see money spent at home. You, you, you can go around all of the local issues we have here. People want to see money spent locally. They want to see it spent in their state. They want to see infrastructure improvements, all of these different things that are basic necessities for people in the United States that they're not getting, you know, um, any help for, or they feel like they're not getting any help for from the federal government to watch money get put into, into Ukraine and in some of these essentially slush funds to military contractors and everything. You know, again, you, you, we start to sound like Democrats did 20 years ago, right? Where we're like, and, and it's really funny, you know, like I, I, my father, I tell everybody it was a, it was a hippie, right? He was, he was at Woodstock. He was anti-government. He, you know, was not voting. He was not doing any of this kind of stuff. And he was counterculture that, you know, the hippies were counterculture and now we're counterculture. Now, now we don't want to go to war all of a sudden, you know, we're over here advocating for the same kind of thing, right? You know, peace abroad and all this. And, uh, you know, you still have some war hawks, you know, that, that are in, in the, um, in probably in the military industrial complex, they probably work in it in some capacity, you know, here in Tampa, you know, people that work at McDill or anything, you know, no, no offense to them, but they have different, you know, opinions. And, and that's where probably some of your your twenty five percent of the Republican Party comes from that still wants to go to war because they are uh, the federal government's this largest employer in, in the world. So that's that's what I see really being a, a huge difference is really the foreign policy to, to kind of wrap it up there, and then we can go into some of the other things. Right. Right. 
let's talk about the Tampa Bay Young Republicans. And of course, you know, for all Republicans, for Republicans, the question is, has been since the election last fall where Ron DeSantis won re-election by 19 points, immediately Donald Trump announces his uh, going to be running for president. DeSantis is running. But actually, of course, we have Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. So, so we have three Florida men now running for the GOP nomination for president. It's well covered. All our listeners are very aware of that. But I'm really curious about the Tampa Bay Young Republicans. I know that back in May, your organization, uh, hundreds of plus, uh, had a vote on who to endorse. And you came out, uh, it was close, but you endorsed DeSantis over Trump. I believe it was 52 to 45 percent. And then uh, last month, you invited a conservative activist, uh, Laura Loomer, and also a reporter, uh, to be your special guest at your event out there at uh, Harbor Island. And uh, her the theme was talking about why she thought the Tampa Bay Young Republicans were wrong in endorsing uh, uh, DeSantis, or at least this early on. And I attended the event, and it was quite interesting on, on a, several levels, one of them being simply that uh, she really – She's, a, of course, a very strong Donald Trump supporter. She really took it to DeSantis, criticizing. Before we ask more about that, Jake, I think I even saw you mention this on social media. Some of your uh, some of your members were kind of hesitant or felt a little bit of reluctance about having Loomer there. Uh, and how did it all go with, with you know after it all after it all t- took place? Did she convert you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I look, I, I'm a, a Ron DeSantis supporter. I'm, I'm pretty open about that. I've been calling for him to be president since right after the 2020 election. So I, I haven't really wavered on that. Um, I'm, that doesn't mean I don't support Donald Trump and I'd support him again if he's a nominee. I'll support him if he's in jail, like most uh, Republicans would. And the, uh, the, the, the organization. Can you help us understand that? The entire Republican Party, not the entire Republican Party, but most of the Republican Party that I speak to truly believes that all of these indictments are just, you know, this is a, this is a witch hunt, right? This is a, this is election interference. This is a a weaponized DOJ that's going after him for all of these different cases. And they do not care that, that they see the, the corruption that's gone on. And really what it is, is that it's, um, you know, the selective prosecution of all of this, right? They, they see the crimes going on in the, in the Biden family that they feel that have happened. You know, we, ha- we actually had Hunter Biden's laptop down here in 2020 for our gala. We, we brought it up and put it on screen and did a whole event around it. And this is two or three years ago when it was still complete disinformation, right? Like, like it didn't exist and like we didn't have possession of it. And, you know, what, what you're seeing now is people are, are like, why would you go after Donald Trump right now, two, two years after a lot of these exist, right? You know, change all the laws in New York to even be able to go after him in the first place, right? Change the statute of limitations, all of these kinds of things. And, and people are seeing that as, well, why are you going after Donald Trump? And it's actually, it's, it's boosting his numbers, right? You guys have probably seen that it can, every time he gets indicted, it boosts his numbers. And you have to think like, what's the rationale for boosting his numbers? And it's like, because people feel like now the, the president of the United States that's been banned from all social media, debanked, all of these kinds of different things, which has never happened in the history of the United States, is getting attacked. And people people root for the underdog, right? People people feel as if Is it not are, easy to just believe he's a bad guy? I think that there's a lot of people that disagree with a lot of the things that he's done. There's a lot of people that think that even, you know, I, we actually just had a long podcast on this the other day. There's a lot of people who may think that, okay, there was something, there's some wrongdoing, especially if you look at these document um, cases down in Mar-a-Lago and all that kind of stuff. Like people are looking at that and they're going, Okay, is there something wrong? Was there a law broken there? Like possibly, but you know, everything in the world's classified and you know, you have Mike Pence had, you know, documents and Biden had documents in his Corvette and all these people and you see all of these different politicians that have committed the same crime, you know, I'm using air quotes over here on the radio, but people don't really feel as if they 
why are you prosecuting right now, like in the middle of this election when you're the front runner? You know, why wouldn't you have gone after this years ago? Why wouldn't you have done this? And, and again, like it's going to continue to be something that boosts his poll numbers. And that's why now we're at the point where people are like, and, and it's actually overkill. I think if there were one indictment case, people might be able to wrap their head around it and, and kind of like, you know, pick sides and everything. But when you end up with like three, four, five, six, uh, it, it just looks like you're dogpiling onto to somebody and, and you're making, you, you found you found your target and you're making up charges to go and, and you know, everybody always says you can uh, indict a ham sandwich, right? And if yeah, you just, you said, oh, go ahead, yeah, Mitch. I'm sorry, one question here. Um, you, and I would just go bypass the the meeting that you guys had over yes. to get back to that. But you mentioned you're a Ron DeSantis supporter, actually. So let's talk about Ron because this is, uh, you know, a number one subject in Porta politics, discussing him, his struggling campaign. And I saw you actually tweet something the other day, and that isn't good reference to, you know, again, there's so many different issues he's battling with. Um, he, uh, this whole issue with the, the Department of Education's cur curriculum on black history, right, which includes requiring teachers instruct middle school students that enslave people, quote, developed skills, which in some instances could apply for personal benefit. We know that uh, black Democrats like Vice President Kamala Harris and the slew of Democratic state lawmakers have, have trashed DeSantis for this, but also black Republicans like Byron Donalds, Tim Scott, Will Hurd. I mean, he's having battles with, you know, black Republicans. Like, he has to be the smartest guy in the room. I wrote, I saw you wrote on Twitter, quote, Hills, I will not be dying on defending that slaves benefit from slavery. So is this in a nutshell why Ron DeSantis is having such a hard time right now when he can't even get something like this right? I, I think that, yeah, there's a lot of criticism to go around on this campaign. And again, it's it's very frustrating to watch as someone who supported him. And uh, there there's a lot of... Uh, suggestions that I have for how they can improve their campaign, you know, and that being one of them, right, is is really understanding where to pick some of these battles, because this is something that they could have probably just pushed, you know, pushed to the side and been like, hey, this was this was one single line in a giant piece of curriculum that, you know, we didn't really actually approve of. And then now we, you know, we're going to take it out there. Don't worry about it. Sorry, this was even in there in the first place. It's something that, you know, again, it, it came through the Department of Education, all that kind of stuff. But again, like when you double down on kind of defending that that line that's in this curriculum you have to then go into defending like slaves being benefiting from slavery right and i'm like what why would you die on that hill right like of all of the things going on in the united states right now like don't don't die on that hill like why would you insist on making this part of the news cycle for now probably going on three weeks and so there, there because are certain, it's a crucial part of the whole motif isn't it like if you don't believe that then you can't believe the whole motif that they want you to believe which is the notion that this was um you know, something that was indeed, in fact, beneficial for certain people. Like that's part of the thing they want you to believe. It's part of this whole umbrella picture of rechanging how we view history, isn't it? I, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's a little bit less nefarious than that. I think that there is a desire to when when attacked to you know this this will never back down you know attitude towards uh, the, the the campaign, right? So it's like when attacked instead of saying, if, if maybe maybe they thought about this, right? Like if they would have came out and said, you know, criticized him, Kamala Harris is going on TV, you know, criticizing him. And then he goes, yeah, sorry, um, actually, we shouldn't have put that in there. And then they, you know, people would be like, oh, well, he backed down, right? So like, I don't, I don't know. It goes to the mindset, I think, though, of the campaign. And again, there's kind of like this, you know, you, you see it in all kinds of different, you know, parts of his policy over the past four years is that he digs his heels in and he and he stands true to it. And uh, and some of them he ends up being really right on, you know, like there's there's things like, again, like I think like the don't say gay bill, you don't have to go completely back into it. I'm sure you guys have covered it extensively. Oh, we might past. get there later. Yeah. But but but, you know, digging in his heels on that one and trying to explain to people, here's why we did this. Here's what the bill actually says and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it, most Republicans 
got behind him 100% on that one after, you know, people dug into it more and it wasn't just a moniker of a, of a slogan. But this, I think maybe they were thinking the same thing was going to happen with this whole, this whole slavery thing. And, and it's just not because most people are like, yeah, I'm not going to, that's not, again, not the hell I'm going to die. I'm not arguing that. And the voice you're hearing is uh, Jake Hoffman. He's the executive director of Tampa Bay's Young Republicans. It's 1122 here um, on the skinny here on WMNF Tampa. I kind of wanted to follow up on that. Mm-hmm. You know, Mitch kind of alluded to folks who have disagreed with the governor and the governor, who, you know, who previously backed these folks has turned on them. Mm-hmm. As a DeSantis supporter, you know, you're essentially saying you disagree with the governor here. Yeah. Does that rattle you at all? Or does it kind of, would you ever be concerned about the governor turning? Let's say you were in the state house and you said this. Well, you know what? I can tell you that, you know, I ran for state house last year and I, you know, I didn't get any help from anybody in Tallahassee. So that's that. I don't know if I have anything else to lose at this point. So it, it doesn't, it, I, I think it's perfectly fine to disagree if you can do it respectfully. Right. I mean, we, we should be having disagreements in if you are a state house member, right? There I think there were only ten that, you know, refused to endorse DeSantis and then the other like hundred and thirty or so that did, right? And we if we have a legislature in a in a Senate that just one hundred percent does exactly what the governor says, like why do we even have all these people, right? Like why like why why do you have a representation from everybody if you're not gonna step out of line at least you know, 1% here, 2% here. And the thing that I see amongst, you know, local, locally elected officials, like, again, like state house and these, in these different uh, offices is that they are just very, very weak, you know, not just weak Republicans, weak politicians, weak willed people who, who don't stand up for themselves that aren't going to step out of line and, and leadership really just does whatever they want. And that's actually what I think a lot of the political consulting class really enjoys is that if you have people who are not going to be opinionated, basically, right? Like if you're not opinionated, then you are just a, a yes vote to whatever the, the people that are actually, you know, opinionated are. And I know uh, Mitch has more questions here. And sure. if you wanted to chime in here, uh, you can call in 813-239-9663. You can text 813-433-0885 if you have a question or comment for Jake Hoffman from the Tampa Bay Young Republicans. You can also email DJ at WMNF.org. The texts are actually blowing up uh, <laughs> right now. Uh, David Bryant asked uh, part of his question. I think the Young Republicans need to wake up and support a decent ethical candidate like Tim Scott. Otherwise, you're destined to pick a loser like uh, DeSantis and can you talk about that and, and ethical, maybe ethical Tim Scott who, or moderate? Let's maybe moderate. I mean, I don't know how you want to take yeah, that. Ethical Tim Scott, who you know, people are starting to dig into his campaign finances right now. Who's just put up a bunch of like shell companies so he can you know raise a bunch of money and make a bunch of money for all of his friends. I mean, this is what you see. I think a lot at the at the national level. Like, I also I really hate Vivek Ramaswamy. That's just me personally. Like, this is something that like I think it's a, just a giant grift pharma bro who's decided to to go in and try and run alongside of Donald Trump so he can get appointed to NIH. Or, or Department of Health or something like that. And the, I, I'm very critical of Republicans I don't agree with, you know, I, I, me personally, at least. And again, this is what happens when you end up like running a group of, of so many different young Republicans. We, we do disagree on things generally, right? Like even the poll that you guys were talking about earlier, it was almost 50-50. You know, we have half of a group that loves Donald Trump and they are like, why would you endorse Ron DeSantis? And the other half is like, I hate Donald, not I hate Donald Trump, but they, they, they would rather have Ron DeSantis. So like, there's disagreements within the group. Um, actually, but how same- are those people in the same group? Well, because I think that, again, it's like a primary. I mean, like, you know, if you guys are part of the Democratic, you know, primary process, you know, it's, it gets very heated for, you know, it's like an, you know, an inside family rivalry going on for a little while, for six, you know, eight, ten months, whatever it is. And, and eventually it will die down and, and, and hopefully we get behind a candidate. This is actually how I ended up getting The Lord. difference here, though, is that one guy lost an election and has continued to suggest that he won the election and has been indicted several times now. Mm-hmm. He's continuing to run for president of the United States. So, like, this hasn't happened before in that way. 
way. And even so DeSantis when, has said now, he's kind of so reversed. how said, people who are locked together policy-wise sort of can exist in the same room with fundamental loyalties to two very different people, like people that, um, you know, are, are uh, head to head right now. Yeah. You know, one thing I would say to, to all of you, and, and Mitch has done this, is that, you know, if you, if you are interested at like how, how do Republicans that have differing opinions coexist in the same room together, like come out to a Tampa Bay Young Republicans meeting, you know, like I, you guys are I'm all invited. Talk, I'm not talking about being in the same and room together. I just want to see Ric Flair. So. <laughs> well, he came, I, 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 I shouldn't blow his spot up, but yeah, he came by. Everybody <laughs> knows he's there every night, Jake. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the question is this, is there a concern this could lead to deeper divisions in, in the Republican Party, like we've been talking about for a Wow. Uh, I, you know, I think that there's there's always been division in the Republican Party the same way there's always been division in the in the Democratic Party. It's not too dissimilar. Uh, it's just not built on this. Uh, yeah, I think in the Democratic Party, what you see is there's more progressive wing and then there's a more moderate wing, if I had to kind of summarize it really quickly. In in the Republican Party, you are seeing the shift from this neocon type of like Reagan-esque, like again, like people always say, like we're not going to go back to being Jeb Bush. We're not going to go back to being one of these, you know, Florida Republican governors who just kind of toe the line and, and then they do, you know, moderate things in the middle here to kind of like appease everybody. No, you're, you're seeing this, this shift to people who are like Donald Trump, who are like Ron DeSantis. And that I think the problem is that they more are so Madisonian. similar. Just more, uh, there, there used to be this more libertarian feel. And like, I've always kind of considered myself a little bit more libertarian and there, but there used to be like a little bit more of a libertarian feel where like the government is not going to be able to help you. The government shouldn't be involved in my business. The government shouldn't be involved in all these things. And then that, that, that does become diametrically opposed to some of the things that Ron DeSantis does, which is like, I'm going to get involved in the culture wars, right? I'm going to get involved in schooling. I'm going to get involved in, in the, the whole Disney debacle, like all of that kind of stuff. That is a shift, and and that is a that is a fight that is going on in the Republican Party, right? Between like, should the government be getting involved in some of these culture war type of stuff, or not? And and that is uh, and, it's, and it's a valid conversation. And I think that again, it, people are able to do it respectfully. If you come to like again, like a, a young Republicans meeting, I, I think that we can coexist in the same place and have differing ideas, and but overall still have the message of you know we think Joe Biden's doing a horrible job, right? We think that like you know all of these uh, Democrats are, are pushing for the complete wrong policy, so we can disagree on on how the Republicans lead if they are in office, but. You know, overall, I think we're still very much on the same page and we're still tied in, even if we are not your grandfather's GOP, as I like to say. How do those conversations go when you guys talk about this attack on woke? I mean, you say you're young. Yeah. You're, how, how far are you? Did you do four years at USF? I, I did. I did uh, quite a lot of time at USF. I did two degrees. So I was there for like five years and then I did my master's. So I was there for like six or so. Was it like aggressively progressive for you? No. You know, what's interesting is that I actually say that, you know, I was in, I was in school there from 2009 to about 2016, essentially. And it, it didn't, I, I didn't uh, feel as if it was this aggressively woke you know, university. And maybe that's because it's in Florida, maybe because it's not one of these like, you know, California universities or Northeastern universities or one of these places. But I didn't, I didn't feel as if it was, but then I talked to kids who are in college now and, and even over a six year time frame, they are starting to feel as if it's, you know, some of these, uh, things are being injected in some of their curriculum or their, their teachers are, you know, quote unquote woke, all of these things. And, I never found it to be an issue. I think people 10 years ago didn't find it to be an issue. 20 years ago didn't find it to be an issue. I'm sure it started to seep into some of these more liberal universities, but um, 
it's it's becoming more pervasive, and I think that that is kind of like where where you see people like DeSantis and Corcoran and and the and the Department of Education here that's really taking a stance on on some of these 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 programs that are coming in the, the DEI requirements, the 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 ESG scores, like all of this kind of stuff that's being pushed into the universities through through those um, methods. They're 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 pushing back on that, and that's where a lot of this you know conflict you're seeing in the media is going. And we definitely want to get Mitch in, but to follow up on on Ben's question uh, on and your comments about kind of DeSantis and the way he's treated culture mm-hmm. wars and things like that. During your campaign, you did have several ads that mm-hmm. kind of went with some of those culture war things. Can you talk about um that decision is that a pure campaign strategy? Is that something you feel like you kind of compromise on? You'd rather be talking about a different policy? You know, I I <laughs> I, I like all of the ads we put out. Like they, you know, we, the first ad that I put out when I was running for state house did like a million views in a day. I mean, it went, it went completely viral for a guy running for state house with no budget behind it. <laughs> you know, that was just organic. Um, and uh, that one was talking about the uh, Trump being banned from social media. That's kind of like the, the, the crux of that ad. And, uh, that I think is extremely important. Then I, I don't think that's necessarily a cultural issue or a woke issue or anything like that. I think it's a that's a fundamental issue of 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 a giant cartel coming together and saying we're gonna we're gonna basically uh, send this person off to sea where they can't they can't have a bank, they can't go on social media, they can't speak. We're gonna do all this kind of stuff like that. That's that's a very fundamental government overreach type of problem, especially when you see the coordination now that happened between Congress and and at that time Twitter and all these different uh, organizations. So that one I'm, I think is actually very important. I'm glad we hit on that one. Uh, yeah, we did one uh, with uh, you know kind of hitting on the whole "Don't Say Gay" thing, and I I will say I'm very sick of talking about like the trans issues because of the fact that I get asked about them in like every interview. I mean, we had a guy, uh, a couple come over from, um, from England and they were working with, uh, one of the, the English papers over there. And the first thing they're asking me is about, you know, trans issues. And I'm like, you guys just like went through Brexit. You guys are doing, you know, we've got like a centralized currency issue here. We've got, you know, like a climate change, like all these other crazy big issues. And it's like, you fly all the way across the entire world. And you want to ask me about, you know, trans issues in Florida. And I think that that's the answer that I spoke to him is that, people are interested in it though. Like there's still like this, uh, appeal that people must be clear. I mean, you, you know, you're right. You're in creative loving. People must be interested in clicking on this stuff or else all of these major news organizations wouldn't be, be covering it so constantly. I, I think, think a lot think of people overseas can't understand how we're treating trans people. Yeah. And I think it boils down to that, you know, thinking about your ad where you kind of mentioned like a trans wrestler, you know, and, and you just yeah. think about the trans person on, on that end. And I understand that maybe you don't want to talk about that, but oh, I, I think, I, can, but. I think the trans, you know, wrestler and the trans person doesn't want to continue to be kind of tokenized or used in these ads and, you know, treated more like a person, you know? Well, you know what I, what I see, I think that's also another really fundamental issue that it, it's not in most Republicans don't care if you're trans, like after the age of 18, they, they don't, I don't think that they, they, it does not matter. It, the, the real argument comes in when we're talking about children and then people that are under the age of 18 and, and being able to, to transition them and give them puberty block blockers and all that kind of stuff. And then it also sports is again, that that's where I live and play and, and that's my actual job. And, you know, when you have, UFC fighters that are coming out and, and fighting, you know, male on female. And, and some of these sports are just, it's, it isn't it. That is actually an issue that is, is starting to, um, you know, find its way into the world and into culture. Obviously the big one, I think a lot of people know about is, is, is Leah Thomas and, and Riley Gaines and these girls that are swimming, uh, at a national level. And, and that is, that is a major issue that, you know, you have these, these biological males that are coming in and, and winning national championships and coming in and just destroying the female athlete and the female sports. And I think that that is, uh, still a big issue. And again, like now we're talking about like a year or two ago when we produced some of these videos. So that, that was a little bit more, uh, timely at the time now. 
than, than now. But I, I think that that is still, it's still a big issue. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily the largest issue that we're facing in this country right now, but I, you know, I would still to this day defend the fact that like, you know, men shouldn't play women's sports. I, tell, tell me if I'm wrong here. Um, I see a, a report here that as of April, no transgender female fighter has competed or completely or currently competes in the UFC. Has that changed? I'm not a huge uh, MMA. It, it, may, it may not be UFC like like the actual UFC because I don't I don't know what their current policy is but it's been professional you know M, uh, MMA fights and we've got lots of calls yeah. here I think we're gonna stay with Jake for a while am I, here am I, the, am I the first Republican that's ever come into studio thanks no. for being here <laughs> yeah yeah no uh, let's uh, Mitch I know you want to get some questions in here and we will yeah let me uh, get, one and get we'll there more. and then go we'll, to callers we'll after that we have some uh, three calls so yeah. Yeah, let me, let me ask you this, though. There's been a seismic shift, as anybody knows, really, in the last couple of years here in Florida politics of Republicans, right? Registered Republicans, we've seen this happening with uh, since the coronavirus took place, uh, migration of uh, people from blue states like New York, Illinois, to places like Texas, Florida. Uh, and especially, uh, I think, Florida, of course, is still the number one growing state in the country. And to the dismay of Democrats, uh, people are bringing their Republican politics with them. And as David Brooks of the New York Times wrote recently, people are moving into red states, or they're moving into the blue areas of red states, like the Tampa Bay area. Uh, Jake Hoffman, we have seen a lot of so-called uh, conservative influencers move into this area over the last couple of years. They're part of your group in, in many cases here. Uh, and we'll see if they can turn the tide with Hillsborough County Republican politics. They certainly did last year when the Re Hillsborough Republicans took back the county commission. We saw some uh, legislative races, such as uh, Janet Cruz losing to uh, um, uh, Mr. Collins there, um, state senate. So talk to us about that and about, you know, is this is this part of the the movement here, you had the uh, the, the uh, Turning Point USA convention last summer here in Tampa. So is Tampa now this this hotbed of young uh, Republican conservatives in America? Well, if you if you listen to uh, Axios, they, they said that we were. They said that we were the number one destination for young Republicans to come out of college and move to. Uh, and I and I think that you know I like to take credit for it. They 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 gave me a little bit of credit, but um, I, it really all the credit goes to Ron DeSantis and in, in the COVID uh, pandemic is really what it comes down to. Is that you had kids coming out of college who wanted to get a job or wanted to go out to bars and go out and in whatever state that they were in they couldn't. And so they moved to Florida and the only places they were going to move were, you know, one of the main cities. So they, that, that narrows it down to about four places. Nobody wants to move to Jacksonville and, um, you know, Orlando's, you know, nothing but Disney and, and Miami's a little bit too expensive, a little too crazy for some people. And they come to Tampa and, and it's on the water. And it was still, you know, I know that I'm sure that it's obviously I, I know how expensive it's gotten over two or three years, but it's still significantly cheaper than a lot of places they were coming from. And, and rent was cheaper than it was in New York or, or L.A. or some of these places. So. It has become a hotbed, and um, by by the the same you know uh, re for for the same reasons that a lot of Republicans are moving to the state of Florida in the first place. You had to have I always said I was like you had to have some kind of Republican instinct in you to to leave your home in like one of these blue states during COVID and go. I really don't want to listen to the government. I, you know, what they're doing down there in, in, in Florida really appeals to me. Right, I'm going to pack up and move to that because I want that type of freedom. Right, or at least. Um, uh, it, it appears that they're having down there. I'm watching these guys all all party and do all of these things and host the Super Bowl and all these things that we did down here while you know they were really you know had hard lockdowns in some of these places. So, if you were one of these guys who were uh, you know very very concerned about COVID, very concerned about like making sure everybody's locked down and masks and everything like that, like you were not going to move out of out of you know the city that you think is probably doing a good job. And we we might revisit COVID here, but we want to get some of these callers on. DeAndre has been waiting for a long time. DeAndre, you're on the air. 
hey, uh, I want to thank the gentleman for being one of the ones who would actually bring himself to the fore like this. I want to thank you guys, too, and I really enjoy your show, as you may be well aware. I have a question about the woke issue in PRG. I'm curious, um, when it comes to the matter of, uh, you know, the, the graves that people um, have put real estate on, like uh, schools, military bases, uh, uh, corporate offices, and what have you. Talking about um, historic black cemeteries, Andre? Yeah, there's like thousands around Florida, about 15 uh, around uh, Hillsborough County. Goodness knows. Uh, well, there's some, that, let me be clear, I understand that some are of uh, homesteads where families also rested their, uh, uh, rested their uh, deceased loved ones, but uh, and, and for that, I mean, if they didn't get paid for that property or make the, uh, the thing, uh, if they were obstructed from doing that, then there should be some acknowledgement of that, no matter what race. But when it comes to, you know, whole black villages with, like, whole families being buried under these properties, does the Republican Party, do these young black, oh, excuse me, do these young Republicans think that it's worth uh, addressing the mental health issues that people experience? who are descendants, uh, possible descendants of those people here in, in, in Hillsborough County, in Florida, the Southeast. That's a good question. Thanks for your question, question. DeAndre. Yeah. Thank you for oh, your question as well. Um, I, I think that, you know, when it comes to the, this whole, if we want to dig into like the black cemeteries issue, I think that, you know, it's, uh, it's become a very... Uh, confusing thing to try and deal with because you have, you know, for all you, and I'm sure you guys, maybe you guys have figured it out here, but, you know, pretend that this studio, which it, this has happened to different like accounting firms and things where they, they come into a lease, they buy a property and then it's like they're, they're five properties from the person who uh, actually, you know, there was a cemetery there, right? And then they inherit this thing where they're like, I want to run an accounting firm. I didn't know we were on top of a black cemetery, right? And who's, now whose fault is that? Is it the city's fault for not keeping the records? Like who, who pays for the, you know, the acknowledgement? What is the acknowledgement, right? Do you, I mean, do you, do you tear down the building and, and turn it into some sort of, you know, a cemetery again? I mean, like there's a lot of very logical, logistical questions to have to deal with with some of these issues. You know, some, some of it's a little bit easier if it's a, a city owned property and you can kind of like have that conversation. But some of it gets very nuanced and confusing when you have like an office building, right? That's already exchanged hands five or six times since since the since that. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's. I mean, very honestly, I don't think it's a, an issue that would reach the top ten most major issues on, on any young Republicans in Tampa Bay's issues. Uh, and then, it, not that not to say that it's diminished at all. I just don't think it is. I think if you were to poll everybody, I just don't think it's going to end up on anyone's top ten. And uh, Fran from Largo has been waiting for a while. Fran, you're on the air here on WMNF Tampa. Oh, hi. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, yes. Uh, now, being a young Republican, uh, are you, uh, and I just uh, heard what you were saying about um, uh, trans people and gay people, are you, is your wing of the party breaking away from the traditional family values of the Republican Party that they always uh, are so famous for. Uh, and uh, and uh, also, there are so many men in uh, the Republican Party that suffer from toxic masculinity. Now, this has to be a, a big problem for you. Uh, I just want you to answer my question. I'll get off the line. Thanks, Fran. Yeah. Um, so, so to talk about, like... Um 
you know, equal rights and things like that. The, the Tampa Young Republicans actually at the time when, when DOMA was going on were like the only Republican organization in the state to come out in favor of gay marriage at the time. And this is uh, during the time of, of Obama and, and all this stuff that was going on. When there were five members? Uh, no, there was there was actually back then it was it, these these organizations tend to, to ebb and flow. There was more, you know, at the time. Gotcha. Um, but but that is uh, that is something that we've actually, I think, led on a lot. You know, we've got a log cabin chapter here of, of gay Republicans and we do a lot of events with them as well. And again, I think that when you walk into South, I'm from South Florida, right? It, it is a very, very different place. It's a very different type of person who is Republican than somebody who is Republican who's 80 years old in D.C. or, you know, 50 years old in Kentucky or something like that. Like, it is a different brand of Republicanism that exists down here. You know, we grew up in a very, very diverse place. I grew up, I grew up basically in Miami, right? I mean, there's drag shows up and down South Beach every single day. You know, there are, you know, all, you know plenty of gay people. It's not, you're not like you're not exposed to, to this kind of thing. And again, it's something we've been very active on, bucking those those older party trends about being supportive of gay marriage. You're very, you're very hard-pressed to find some a young Republican who's under 30 years old who's anti-gay marriage. Again, where a lot of these these fights come in is over, you know, the uh the the child aspect of how we are going to interact with them again when it comes to things like drag queen story hour or or all these kind of uh, different different issues that may exist in the culture and what their government's role is in terms yes. of present, yes. preventing people from experiencing that. What about her uh, question about toxic masculinity? Did you? Yeah, want to you know that? that's that's again another place where I probably play a lot in. You know, we did an event last year at a at a, at a cigar uh, factory where we called it intoxicating masculinity, and we talked about like the the lack of mac- masculinity in a lot of different. Uh, areas of life, and and so uh, that is that the is lack something. of L- lack of masculinity, and again, like the the vilification of masculinity, and it doesn't, you know, are there lots of like mental health issues that need to be addressed uh, amongst men who were like fighting in World War Two and right refused to you know uh, express themselves, and they had all these different kinds of issues that like we didn't have help for anymore. Now, of course, like you know, what we can do better for men in mental health, but you know, what you're seeing uh, in that space is. People like, and you know, you can we can go off in all kinds of different directions with this one. I'm going to say this, but you know, there's a reason why people like Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate and Joe Rogan and these guys are so appealing to the younger crowds is because there has been kind of this void of this, you know, uh, uh, masculine role model for them, and that is being filled by these guys, whether you guys like it or not, right? Like that is they are the most popular. Do you, do you trust that trio? Like do you trust that trio to speak? true to what they believe or, or are you a little bit skeptical about their motivation since they do have such a large audience that creates revenue? Um, I think, I mean, I think Joe Rogan is as authentic as you possibly can get. I think that's why he's like the biggest podcaster in the world. And, and he's just genuinely curious about all the people he's bringing on there. I mean, I think that uh, people like Jordan Peterson, you know, he's a little bit more preachy to me. He's a little bit more pro- professor. I, I wouldn't be going hanging out at one of his speeches, but you know, uh, and then you have again the social media influencer side of things with the guys like Andrew Tate and everything. They're they're uh, entertainers and digital marketers at the forefront, right? And I and I I, I have a a soft spot for digital marketers, right? Like and and they I think that you know someone like Andrew Tate, who's the most googled man in the entire world, there's a motivation there to sell courses, right? Teaching almost the same things we teach, right? Like uh, Facebook ads. And when I'm talking about teaching the same things, I mean like Facebook ads and like digital marketing and, and all that kind of stuff is like fundamentally at the bottom of his programs that he's selling. So it, it's interesting to see how you market yourself to get to that point to get people buy them. And Mitch, I want to come to you after Mark. Mark's waiting for a long time. So we'll do Mark's phone call and then come back to Mitch Perry after that. Mark, you're on the air at WMNF. 
Hello? Hey, Mark, you still there? Thanks for holding. Yeah, yeah, yes. Hey, I just wondered if the subject came up that uh, DeSantis had cut all the funding for MNF this year. Um, I had not heard anything like that, and that would be something that we'd uh, need to check on. Thanks for... Uh, Maybe we should suggest it. Oh, just no, 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 no. <laughs> just no. Um, I think we're funded. Yeah, I would all- check that out. That's not, that's not very community-oriented. Yeah, I mean, we, I think, you know, thanks, Mark. I think yeah, that, is, that is accurate, I believe, um, state funding in terms of... Uh, yeah, in a more uh, general sense. Um, but I want to I go back to Jake to talk about the last caller talking about the LGBT community. As a, Talking to Jake as a Ron DeSantis supporter. Jake, what were your thoughts about that ad the DeSantis campaign put out at the end of June that has been described as both homophobic and homoerotic by some? Yeah, I, I think that that was another one of these big campaign missteps, right? Like, why would you isolate the the growing Republican gay vote that exists, right? Like the the law. I mean, he he upset a lot of people who were in his corner uh, in that, and he's he's fighting with Caitlyn Jenner now on on Twitter about it, right? It's. Uh, it's something that, again, I, 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 w- I can't believe that anybody would advise him to do that. I think that, again, maybe it was this idea that you've got these old consultants in there that maybe maybe this was appealing to, to Republicans 20, 30, 40 years ago, and it's still going to work today, and it doesn't. But there's like trans Republicans too. How much do you wish the party would just get away from that and go back to policy like insurance or even the war and, and how we spend money and things like that? Yeah, I, I mean, I wish I wish we would talk about important issues, but you know, again, I don't think important issues get get clicks, and I don't think, and not just you know, YouTube, social media, like all this stuff, like Twitter, Twitter being monetized now, and everything like that. Like, I could go into a long, deep dive again about how the you know the Pentagon's lost trillions and trillions of dollars, and that, and I think that's probably one of the most like fundamentally things that's broken with our with our country right now, but. You know, if I start talking about that, no one cares. And tell me something, because you you are you know leading a group that is very divided, as Ben has yeah. has pointed out. What happens if DeSantis does win the nomination? What does porting over Trump supporters um, look like? And could it happen quick enough uh, to push DeSantis over the edge in in a, in a general? Well, let me let me say something uh, that I'm gonna make very clear that I think will make a lot of your listeners very happy. I think Joe Biden's gonna win the presidency. That's that's just I, I, I think you're trolling us. I'm not. I'm, I, I'm 100% <laughs> not trolling you guys right now. As much as I do not want it to happen, I truly believe that Joe Biden is going to win the presidency because they we do not have the uh, uh, the presidential election has basically become a fight over election law, and this is something that is near and dear into my heart. and And I I actually have a, a organization called Voter Trust that is actively working on trying to work on on laws all around the country to make voting what I consider to be the the best practices. And you go to some of these states, they are so heavily favored towards Democrats in the laws that they have, right? Like, I think you guys understand, like, over the last couple of of elections that, you know, the mass mail-in voting, that helps Democrats. Uh, It it helps drive out the... the Are you talking about, like... um but you're not talking about like ballot harvesting or things like that. Not or, even talking yes. about ballot harvesting and everything. What I'm what I am talking about specifically is is mass mail in ballots help Democrats. That's why they, I think that that's why they want to do them. Um, the the uh, idea of Zuckerbucks, right? That's something that we banned here in the state of Florida. That like I hope that I had some sort of influence on in in getting that done. Like those that money going to supervisor of elections that are run by Democratic Demo, Democrat supervisor of elections that then go hand that money off to marketing companies that go and then collect those ballots. That's why like, I, you know, people will get into like all these questions about stolen elections and, and all that kind of stuff. And I tell everybody, I'm like, you know, when you talk about stolen, I was like, it was done very legally, right? Like all of these laws were changed to, to benefit uh, the party that controls the city. Right. And this is kind of what you see with, uh, 
the incumbent problem, which I'm sure you guys complain about from the Democratic side too, which is like the incumbents don't lose. Why? Because they control the apparatuses of the city that can go out and again, hand the supervisor of elections $4 million here in Tampa Bay, and then they go hand it to a marketing company and they go collect a bunch of ballots. Well, I mean, I okay, think- Jake, Jake, oh, wait, uh, I got, I got, yes. hold on. I got, guys, I got to jump in for a second. So, but uh, addressing that, Jake, we've heard both Lonnie McDaniel at the RNC and Christian Ziegler, the Republican Party yeah. of Florida, who are embracing vote by mail now. They are embracing now when it's legal ballot harvesting in the states that's legal. Ron DeSantis says he'll do it. He doesn't believe in it, but he's doing it now. So, can you still use those, use that um, I, logic to yeah, explain I think, that the Republicans are going to lose in 2024? I think uh, I'll, I'll explain another reason why I think they're going to lose in a second, but like, the uh, the idea that we can out ballot harvest the supervisor of elections in a major city is silly to me, right? Like if, if Zuckerberg is still we've got a billion dollars going out right now through the I forget what it's called, like the Civic uh, Association, whatever he's got called. It, it's a it's a nonprofit. They have over a billion dollars already invested in this thing, and they're spreading it out all around the country right now. And they're investing in and this would make you guys happy, right? Like I mean, this is like they they are actually doing the grassroots thing that our party should be doing. They're they're investing in these in these five hundred one c threes and fours and and these nonprofit groups that are going to go out and like actually pay people to go out and you know grassroots go pick up these ballots, get them and dropped off and everything like that. Like that is they are they are doing the work. They have the money and the funding to do it. Ronnie McDaniel, uh, we endorsed against her by the way for the, for the party uh, leadership. You know, we wanted to see uh, Harmeet Dillon win that one, and 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 there's a lot of people who think that Rana is not doing her job and she is not prepared for it. And, you know, what I see on the ground is that is that they're not nearly uh, as sophisticated in this idea of, oh, we're going to go out and ballot harvest and everything like that. Well, we're, we're like learning how to do it apparently, right? Like everyone's like talking about it now, like, oh, we're going to start the elections coming up. Like, you know, this is something that we have not figured out how to do clearly. And, um, you know, to, to go to the other reasons I think that Biden's going to end up winning here is I think that uh, this is my own theory and, and I have no financial, um, you know, background here or anything like that. But I, I do understand politics and how it works. I, I think that Biden's going to end up, um, you know, the, the stock market, the economy generally is going to be kind of choppy for like the next year or so. But I think that then he's going to work with the Federal Reserve and, and, and lower interest rates pretty heavily. Uh, probably you'll see some sort of other uh you know, I'll call it a giveaway at a, at a federal level in summer of next year, leading up Q2, Q3 into into the election. And, and you're going to see um, an influx of money. And I think an influx of all this money that's sitting on the sidelines in the market come into the market. And, and people are generally going to be like, I feel a little bit better about, you know, the Biden economy come next year than they do right now. And there's a lot going on here. We're getting a lot of texts and a question I kind of want to get in based on a lot of these texts. Um, you know, thinking about young conservatives, wedge issues, they seem to believe in climate change and correct me if I'm wrong and hope the GOP would maybe get on board to try and tackle that issue, in, especially in this state. Uh, where do you stand at? Where's your group at on, on climate change and maybe trying to work on that from a young Republican standpoint? Yeah, I think that that's one of those issues that we really can come together on. I think that most young people, especially in the state of Florida, when we've experienced hurricanes and flooding and all these kinds of things, that we can we can come together and figure out like well, we don't want our coral to die, right? Like that, like this is kind of stuff that we should be able to see a little bit eye to eye to on. Um, I think where the real disagreement comes in is when you see the alarmist, um, you know, uh, numbers that come out. Right, it's going to be nine years and the world's going to end, and or twenty years and this and that. And then like when 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 the numbers get thrown out alongside of it. And then those numbers don't come true or there's not really a big shift in people's average everyday lives, then they they don't feel like the, the climate alarmism like exists. But but I think that generally we With can all come due back respect, to though, we've been talking about climate change and global warming mm -hmm. since the 1950s. Sure. And you're saying, I think it's something that young, 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 young Republicans are willing to talk about, like it's time to sound the alarm, is it not? Um, our coral is dying right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, like I said, I think it's something that, you know, we advocate for. You know, we, we do some, uh, you know, our, our president, I'm not there, our president, our president, Brittany, she's got like a, a nonprofit that works with like uh, uh, sea turtles and their nesting and things like that. Like, you know, we do stuff with like manatee, you know, preservation. Like uh, there's, there are, there are places to come together. You know, after our hurricane, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know what you guys said during the time, but I thought we were completely ill, you know, ill prepared. And I tried to talk to people on city council and county commission, all these things about this. Like, I think we should be raising up all of South Tampa by a few inches, right? Like I, I know that, you know, if, if we were to get hit with a hurricane or some sort of big storm, like the entire, you know, South southern part of our, our city will be underwater and we're not doing anything about it. And our, I don't think Democrats are doing anything about it either. And it won't that take sounds a quick, alarmist, oh. Oh. doesn't it? It's not alarmist to think. Uh, you well, know, we're just we're, criticizing we're, alarmists. Well, that, that get, what get, you just said is alarmist. Well, no, no, no. I, I'm not saying that the world is going to end or that or or things are going so to. So we need to uh, raise South Tampa up. It's time. That's by what, a couple of inches. Well, which is which is not even necessarily a uh, climate change type of argument. It's an argument over over basic like hurricane preparedness and um and you're looking and flooding and flooding issues. We've had flooding issues in in the South Tampa area for for decades, right? And and, and Miami Beach did this very successfully. They were able to raise, uh, essentially raise, and I, I use that word like it, it, that is what they used to describe it, but they were able to raise, I think almost like two feet for, on, on Miami Beach to make sure that the, the, their, ho- their giant $50 million mansions aren't flooding down there. And it took five, 10 years, but you know, billions of dollars, but they were able to do it and, and preserve that area. And they still have flooding issues and everything, but it's, um, I don't think that that's necessarily uh, alarmist to say that we need to prepare for that kind of thing. Where is climate change on the list of priorities for the young Republicans of Tampa Bay? I would say it's probably within the top 10. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, real quick, I want to get Joe on from Lakeland. He's been holding for 20 minutes, and after that, we'll go back to Mitch. Joe, you're here. Thanks for holding. Hey. What the fuck are you doing? Oh, see you later. <laughs> Can we dump that? Uh, Mitch, you want to jump in? Horn. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of issues, uh, Jake, uh, we, in fact, we heard it in the earlier hour with uh, uh, Council Member Lynn Hertak. So the city of Tampa, of course, Mayor Jane Castor just announced last week that she is uh, proposing a, a tax increase. Uh, I believe your organization is going to be coming out pretty forcefully against that. Yeah, we we made some videos already about it. Um, it's a very big increase for for the average person. I don't. I actually am more curious to hear. I haven't talked to any of my Democratic friends about how you guys feel about it. Like, where where do you guys stand on that I increase? Feel like you think we're Democrats? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, <laughs> I think maybe like I'm a registered Democrat, but only to vote in primaries. So it's uh, <laughs> well, okay. Well, then you know. Well, I, mean, I look. I. I, I I will just ask your opinion on it then. Uh, where where do you guys stand? Well, on, I think on that it's interesting increase? because yeah. you did uh, you push back against um, um, the tax increase and have encouraged people to chime in w- ahead of these budget meetings. And I think some uh, people in the neighborhood have said, "Hey, there's a bunch of fees that we haven't increased. Like, would you be open to, you know, changing some of those fees for developers and other entities as we try to figure out how to pay for you know this growth that's happening here in Tampa?" You know, there's a there's a feeling here. In, in Tampa Bay, I think in general that we look at things and we go, everybody's property value just doubled, right? Like everybody just moved into this city from all over different, different places. There is a, a huge increase in income coming into the county and into the city now. And I think that, you know, my feeling, and I, I speak for a lot of people, I think, is that they have what they need to try and you know, uh, you know, address some of these issues. You know, I, I heard some of them talking at the, on the hour previously about some of the waste that goes on, right? These like the Taj Mahal city hall or whatever they're going to spend like hundreds of millions of dollars on or whatever it may be. Um, I think we still have like some of the most no bid contracts like in the country. I mean, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So these are issues that people, I don't know how much they're really paying attention to because they happen kind of in secret. And I think that again, there's, there's places where we can come together on the, these things. And I, 
I don't think that you need to rate. I mean, it's, a, it's again, a significant increase. Like if you have a, I think it's $7 to every thousand dollars on your home right now is, is the increase. And people already feel as if their taxes are a lot. And obviously the homeowner's insurance thing, and I blame Republicans for that too, by the way, don't worry. Um, and, and all of these different increases that exist in, in the state of Florida right now, I, I think it's a very, very tough ask to, um, to try and raise that significantly. And Mitch, are you there? I know we got like three minutes left here. Yeah, one last, I guess one last thing. And, and Jake, you talked about 2024, you see Joe Biden winning. Certainly one thing the Democrats think they do have a winning issue on is on the issue of abortion. We'll see if there's going to be a, a ballot measure here in Florida next year or not. We saw what happened in Ohio this past week. Again, your man, Ron DeSantis, uh, you know, came out uh, with the six-week ban, which some uh, heavy donors now say that have truly turned him off. Um, on the issue of abortion rights, uh, Jake Hoffman, Tampa Bay Young Republicans, where are you on that? And just your thoughts about how this may play out in 2024. Can you do it in 70 seconds? In 70 seconds, yeah. Uh, abortion's the number one issue I don't like talking about because I don't think you change anybody's mind. And, and mm-hmm. I think that like a- abortion is one of these things where you you have a religious uh, belief around it. You have a, a life experience around it in some capacity, and you've kind of almost uh, are set in your ways. And so I don't like arguing one way or the other over it because I don't think you change people's minds, like just having conversations about it. I think it's very, very deeply personal. And, uh, you know, look, Ron DeSantis bringing it down to six weeks, I think that is a, a losing issue, I think, for, for a more of a majority of Floridians. I just don't know if it's on the number, you know, again, like a top 10 issue for a lot of voters, actually, because especially older voters, I think it's a bigger issue issue amongst younger, younger people, younger, there's a big spread that's going around right now of young men that are becoming conservative at 18, but young females, uh, going, going more liberal at 18 years old. And I think that that might be one of the, one of the issues. I'm going to sign off real quick, real quick. Can you tell people where the next meeting is? So many people are wanting to talk to you. Sure. So if you, if you're interested in talking to us, you know, you can, uh, just DM me, uh, Jake Hoffman, five, six, one on Instagram or Jake Hoffman, Florida on Twitter, uh, the TBYRs. You can you can DM us on on Instagram or Twitter as well, and uh, we don't have a meeting this month, so we'll, we'll have get in on our website or get in on our social media. Follow us, and then we'll we'll be able to put you on the email list so you can figure out when our next events are. I'd no. like to say personally thanks to Jake for coming in. Yeah, thanks thanks for coming in here, sitting here, and, and talking to our callers for a full hour here. Um, you've been listening to WMNF Tampa. This is the skinny on behalf of myself, Ben Montgomery, Jake Hoffman, Irene on the phone, Skip Sassy, our board operator. Thank you so much. Joe Ellen, Shilke, the hostess with the mostess is up next with art in your ear. Thank you.